Josh. What's up, Jimbo? See what I did there, listener? Is normally 90% of the time Josh starts the whole thing and says, what's up, Jimbo? But this time Jim started and said, what's up, Josh? So, well, I, so we're just trying to keep, keep, keep you on your toes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like this is one of those, another one of those situations where, uh, continual listening does pay off in ways that, like, if this were just a one-off, um, perhaps they wouldn't understand the, the, the significance, the, the mass importance of that one subtle change. Yeah, sure. And, and, and to be fair, I like to think that our gazers out there are pretty smart. So even if this is their first time, they're going to get that every word is probably significant. <laughs> I know I, I like to speak in measured tones myself. Yeah, well, sure. I, I'm not prone to hyperbole myself, as anyone who knows me well is aware. Right, right. Well, someone would have to be a lunatic to believe that you were engaged in hyperbole at any given time. Like, literally. I agree. Yeah, literally. Literally a lunatic. Quite quite so. So, um, it, it's springtime. Um I know last weekend was Easter. Uh, do, you, do you recognize Easter or do anything special? Eat anything special? Um, uh, well, I of course, you know, I, I went to church and once again got to um, got to do live church music, and that was uh, especially fun. Um, we're playing in the we're, we're playing we're worshiping in the big sanctuary now, and so um, it's really cool to do so. Gigging, in, you're uh, gigging, with, you're gigging with God in the big house. Indeed, indeed. And, well, it's the big house portion. I, I, I like to think that we're always gigging with God, but um, the 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 acoustics of the main sanctuary it, it was a, it was really really phenomenal. I I don't know how much I dressed the um, the notion um, last week of, and I know we we kind of addressed the notion of like returning to normalcy, but I feel like I've always been someone who thrives on consistency and patterns and um to have that come back um i i appreciate it so much more than i did before i think in the past um i depended upon it almost i i kind of took it for granted the degree to which i depended upon it and now having it be gone for so long and return i feel as if um it's it's that much more special rather than just what it is that i do I don't know. It's it's been it's been it's been a remarkable in the spirit uh, in the spirit of the topic. Uh, gave you one more thing to be thankful for. Yes, yes, that is absolutely true. But with regard to um, any sort of um, eating situation, we went and visited uh, my parents, and actually, my mom made a very simple salad that um, that I we will definitely be recreating, which it was uh, spinach and uh, vinaigrette. Uh, with some candied uh, pecans and bacon and um, hard-boiled eggs that were sliced uh, very well. It was, a, it was, was it served as a warm salad or a or a cold salad? It was a cold salad. It was a cold salad, but hmm. it practically could have been a meal in it of its own. But that that's the only Easter dining that we really did. Are you are you familiar with a warm spinach salad? Um, no, I've I've never had a warm spinach salad. I encourage you to look it up. I think you could make. I mean, I'm sure this one was delightful in its in its own way because it, you know when it's when it's cold, there's a refreshing element to it. But I suspect you could take if you if you were to take the bacon as the last thing prepared, toss the spinach leaves 
in the bacon fat in which you cook the bacon, and that would slightly wilt it, and you would essentially have created a version of a warm spinach salad. Hmm. Okay. Well, I do love me some multi-purpose bacon fat. Right. I, 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 you know, I, I, we don't, we don't haven't done a warm spinach salad in Lord knows how long, but you got me thinking. So I thought, hmm, that's why I asked the question. Well, that's, well, that's a, a, very, a very lovely uh, spring and somewhat healthy. I don't know if the bacon cancels out the spinach or not, but, but still good, good meal. Yeah, it was a minimal amount of bacon. May I ask, do you have a special way in which you uh, preserve your bacon fat? Because we just have it like we don't. Uh, okay, it's we just don't. in a, like a little glass cup or glass jar. We've, on top we've of been the we've window. been threatening to get say just an old jar and put it in there, or even buy a special vessel in which to keep it, um, because it is such a such a great way to cook things. But you know, instead of using well, when I say great, I don't mean healthy, but a, a flavorful way to cook things, just in lieu of, in lieu of oil or butter to cook whatever it is that requires the fat. Bacon just adds that special, mm. but certainly not healthy, which is probably a good reason to not do it if you're already dancing on the edges of of healthy. <laughs> but, or, uh, or sitting on the edge of healthy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Swaying on the edge of healthy. <laughs> Rocking gently or not so. <laughs> So what about you? Did you guys do anything? I know you guys always have the A plus sign situation. Yeah, so for Easter we did the traditional ham, which got me thinking, why ham? Why why is ham such a traditional Easter dish in the United States? Um and it came it came down to seasonality and money. So the traditional Easter dish from many, many, many years ago in Europe and in the US prior to World War Two was lamb which was an adaptation of a Passover dish, um, you know, since they come around the same time of year. But at some point post-war, ham or pigs, pork was considerably cheaper than lamb, like maybe one-third the cost and could feed more people. And and it was just about the time that at that time, you know, now we have food processing and it's, there's never there's never a season. But at that time they would sort of, I would say harvest to make it sound uh, more uh, humane, but they would harvest the animal in the fall and cure it by the time it was ready was right around the time of Easter. So there was an abundance of it. So that's how it became the traditional Easter dish, if you didn't know. I didn't uh, know. Fascinating. Yes. Yeah, so we, we had ham. Uh, Leslie prepared it with a, uh, a brown sugar, Dijon mustard, and thyme glaze. Our accompaniments were uh, potatoes au gratin, and a uh, grilled asparagus. So there was only one thing we actually grilled on the outdoor grill, and that was the asparagus, which was delicious. Uh, there, she baked up some bis- buttermilk biscuits, but in order to create a, a through point from the ham, the, butter, the biscuits were c- cooked with scallions, thyme, mustard, and parsley. So not even oh, the traditional wow. southern biscuit. Yeah, they were the best biscuits I've had in my life, hands down, absolutely. Legit, and okay. Then, for dessert, we did uh, carrot cake, cupcakes with uh, cream cheese frosting with crushed candied pecans. Wow, rock and roll. Um, and mm-hmm. how, roughly how much time do you think was spent on the preparation of this dish? 
Probably a lot. Okay. Probably a lot. So, I mean, it's hard to uh, – several hours? Because, okay. But, you, but, but, see, the thing is, is there, there are multi-casting elements. So, for example, once the ham goes in, you had two hours, and with that spare time, you were able to, um, you know, put the potatoes on the mandolin and get them ready in their casserole dish, grate the cheese and cream, et cetera. Uh, the, the, the dough for the biscuits she had prepared the day before, so they just needed to be cut and baked so that they were ready. Asparagus was easy. Um, so, th- so, I mean, you know, not including cleanup, I would say three hours. But that's okay. three active, but that would be three active hours. And, uh, this is, this is Wednesday right now. How many, what kind of leftovers did you have? Tons. We have, I mean, it was a seven-pound ham, and that was the smallest one we could get. My my mom came over, so there was at least one other adult having some of this feast with us. But we're, we we froze after the – there was more than half of it left over. We actually saved the ham bone, which we're going to use to make probably stock or soup of some kind. Um, but So we have a, you know one massive Ziploc gallon bag of ham frozen that will be used, like I said, and it can be used in soups or – Sides because it'll probably dry out, and then we've had ham sandwiches every day this week. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, that's nice. I, I'm glad to see that it that it all plays out the way that you did. I I had a small debacle, if you recall, um, last week. I was really psyched about my my chicken thighs and my um that with, with the Caesar mm-hmm. and the Parmesan mm-hmm. cheese and all that. And um, I might have undercooked some chicken thighs this past weekend. And um, luckily, it was. And have you made I, such a thing of? And have you made such a big thing of? You can't screw up the thighs. Right, right. No, that's definitely the case. Well, here's here is. I mean, my explanation, and this is an explanation, not an excuse. But um, I'm not. I haven't done a lot of um, chicken baking. Usually, I will pan fry something with. And so I promised that I followed the recipe, but it just the the middle was a little bit. Um, Pink. And initially, I thought, oh, you know, it's considered dark meat. So the fact that there's a portion of it that's a little bit darker than the rest, that's probably there's probably yeah. nothing wrong with that. And it's um, the thing about the yeah, the problem with recipes is they're kind of they're tough, especially with poultry, because they're more recipes are more like guidelines and less like uh, rule books, because you, because every condition is different. Even if you're baking it, like not every single oven is exactly 350 degrees and and how thick is the chicken and et cetera, et cetera, right? So they're always oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah ch- chicken, yeah, I, I, I'd rather eat dry chicken than underdone chicken. Right, right. Well, needless to say, it, it did – it got nuked a little bit for uh for that meal and then then it was cool and then I put it back in just for 20 minutes the rest of them for for the leftover situation. So so every everything everything wound up all right, but I did feel the need to um follow up with that that slight um slight issue. And I'm um, speaking of things to follow up on, um I will be doing my um my my second covid shot on Friday. So I'm sure I'll have something exciting to share about that. Um, the next time that we do meet. And you know what? You know, I know so far we've made a big deal about how we want people to, um, to listen to, to several episodes, not, not just one single one. But, uh, we hit another milestone, um, just recently. In fact, it was just after we posted the last one. We have. And it was. Drum roll. Had, we have had over 2,200 
individual listen to our podcast thus far. And so just in case, just in case you haven't talked to anybody about this and you're thinking that you're the only one listening, you are not the only one listening. We are slowly establishing a massive army of gazers. And, um, again, if, if you haven't talked to anyone or no one's talked to you about it, it doesn't mean that, that, that your people aren't out. Our people are not out there. And, the first um, rule about navel-gazing, it's okay to talk about navel-gazing. It's absolutely okay to talk about navel-gazing. Um, we, we would like to normalize navel-gazing. And um, <laughs> the thing uh, – but, but upon reflection with that, uh, the 2200 mark, I thought that – you know, one thing that we have, have really uh, tried to uh, minimize or not do is we haven't had any advertisers yet. We haven't done any commercials. And, I, I you know, I, I listen to OPP, and um, the, frequently that I will hear Other them, people's podcasts. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I will hear them break into an ad or a commercial, and I question – the degree to which they are actually endorsing these products. I, I you know, I, I feel like, like it may be that some of them are taking these products and um, advertising them merely to, uh, you know, to monetize their podcast. And I, I would hate for us to, to do that. I, I would hate for us to go down that route with a product that we did not truly endorse. So I was trying to so think, um, so 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 let me so just so you're I, I feel like you're you're gonna you're queuing me up or pivoting into like maybe what what products do we wish we could endorse yeah what, yeah, yeah what what could we in good conscience endorse okay I don't know if you thought about that at all. Or, or, well, I, or I didn't. You, so you kind of you kind of gave me a little broad text message like, what about this? As, as a thing to sort of think about or, or gaze about. And I had to reflect pretty hard because I wasn't sure in which sphere you meant it. I was kind of curious because I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to sort of wear it out on via text message or offline, but I was curious how you, what made you, prompted you to start thinking about it. And, and um, what I'm hearing is that there are other podcasts that advertise and yeah. you felt like, so, so that's really and and for you, you wonder you know, you without getting names if you don't feel comfortable. Can you give me an example of a product uh, of a podcast and a product that you don't think they are truly endorsing? Well, um, I, there's a uh, there's a product I think it's called for Hymns, and they I, I think they do like um, sexual aids for for men like like um, Viagra sorts of stuff. <laughs> And, um, but they also, it's interesting, one of the other products that seems to often get, um, advertised from that company is something about male pattern baldness. And, um, some of the people who I do listen to do struggle with male pattern baldness. And so I question the degree to which they are the best spokespersons for this product, being that it clearly, you know, has not worked for them. If you remember, um, the, the hair club for men, about how, you know, I'm not just a spokesman, but I, I use it too, or it worked for me. Or I'm a member. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not just the president, I'm a member. Right, right, right. And like I said, I get the sense that sometimes these are not, um, they, they may not be, um, members. You, you mean, you mean these, these other podcasters are just accepting money? Exactly. Precisely. That's okay. what that, 
that's the problem. Well, and also um, stamps.com seems like a lot of them are obsessed with with mailing things and people getting doing their stamps, their mailing at home. And I just I I don't see that as being uh, something that uh, people use that frequently. But got so for example for for me a, a product that that I use regularly and feel like I could become practically evangelical about. I know I've spoken to you about it's it for him. No, for hymns, I think it is. H-I-M-S. Okay. Um, but no, no, that, that was not going to be the product that I was going to suggest. Um, in this case, um, yeah, I know you've heard me talk about them, but chia seeds. I think the chia seeds are something that um, that not everybody is hip to quite yet, but um, especially having gotten back into the pattern of being at work and having a daily routine, um, I drink green drink every morning. And the green drink, be you know, it, ha- it has – I believe I've dealt with this before, um, you know, spinach and various fruits and stuff. But the secret ingredient is um, chia. And um, anytime I put in two tablespoons chia seeds in there, and I'm telling you, it radically transforms my day. It makes and, and my, my day and my digestion. And I feel like it's a product that <laughs> that, not, that was such a ta- that was such a tagline, Josh. I feel like you're getting money. If, if I find out you're getting money behind my back for these chia seeds, <laughs> no, that was it was spur of the moment, but it it, 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 it it changes my day and my digestion. Yeah, well, uh, that that's how inspired I am by this product. Now the trick is though, is that I am not necessarily loyal to a particular brand of chia seeds, and so I I, I think that the the trick would be to find that brand that most wants to associate itself with us, and they they want chia and gazing. Um, associated together, and um, like we are we are open to a any sort of contractual uh, relationship with a chia organization. Knowing that the other thing is too that chia does not. So are you, um, go ahead. Well, are, so so to some degree or another, as you started sort of mulling this topic over, you're kind of manifesting a little bit, kind of hoping that you put it out there in the universe and we get a little get a little scratch for our for our time. Oh, that would be nice. That would, yeah, I, I would be down with a little bit of scratch. Now, it means that people would have to listen to perhaps some advertisement, but maybe it would be a good incentive for people to actually get on the Chia train and um, learn a little bit, learn a little something about themselves along the way. So, uh, there, there is another element to this, though, right? Because, it, and I mean, it's fun to think about things that you would want to endorse, but but also it it has to be congruent with something that because it's you're talking about basically a capitalistic um you know symbiotic relationship between advertiser and endorser right correct so so you know it's not like it, say Joe Rogan is, is bald so if he advertised for male pattern barnes uh products maybe they work for him maybe they don't because maybe he doesn't even take them but certainly a, a large demographic of his listeners might be interested in such a product, right? Correct. To my knowledge, he does not endorse uh, those products. Just, just, just. I, I don't want any lawsuits. So go on. Right, right. Yeah, you, to, to avoid slander, but like hypothetically, hypothetically, a bald, famous podcaster um, who may be endorsing that may have many listeners who'd be interested in the product. So it's kind of, it, it's not always what the uh, endorser needs. Or would use, but what their audience might need or would use. 
Correct. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but yes, yes, I I, I can go down that road with you. Okay. I mean, because I'm, I'm just trying to think, you know, of our handful or, you know, hundreds or however many non-disclosed uh, listeners we have, I mean, you, you're – you're absolutely endorsing. You're saying she is for everybody. So you're, you're going there, but I'm, you know, but not everything is for everybody. So to speak. Correct. Correct. Um, so what, you know, one thing that when you sort of threw that at me, I thought a good one, cause I was, I, I noticed on, I, sometimes I've heard it referred to by other podcasters that, that they'll get free samples of stuff. Mm-hmm. And what we could absolutely use and I'd be willing to endorse would be um, some recording equipment and broadcasting, podcasting equipment, like microphones. Microphones, mixing boards, ones that could be used, one in my place, one in your place, maybe even a a couple cameras if we wanted to set up a YouTube channel. But but if there's a – and I I haven't done the – I haven't looked it out there, but if there's one – you know, there's some decent electronic equipment out there, company that that would – I would endorse that. I, I, I think I could get behind that as well. I am intrigued by the um, the notion of doing the YouTube thing as well. I would just be concerned. Yeah, I, I've I've done a little bit of research into it, and it does require some some time and energy with regard to um, lighting and effects and editing that um, sure. that would be challenging. But but once again, if if we were to end up bringing in a, a third party. That would then be response would help us to get top of the line equipment of some sort. Um, I, or, I or or even or even just below middle of the line equipment. It's better than the equipment we currently have. Hey, even line equipment. We <laughs> we <laughs> leave better than this. And, and the equipment, right? <laughs> Doesn't have a cord or battery. Sign us up. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, so, the, and another. Okay, see, perhaps, perhaps I was just more selfish than you because um, I also thought about the. Um, this this is more specific. So everybody knows that Gatorade is a pretty big name brand. They do a lot of endorsements, and so I'm sure that they're they're in the game of of endorsing so to speak and i know that they like to think of themselves they're as, they're, they're, they're 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 familiar with the advertising game but yeah i believe so i believe so right um and they've, um, they've, so they've worked with marketing a couple of times in their once or twice history. once or twice and 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 being that we are on the rise i think they might want to be associated with 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 an, uh, an entity that is on the rise such as navel gazing and there was a while there though where um they were marketing a specific uh, type of Gatorade that I'm really having a difficult time finding these days, and um, I would love to be the spokesperson for that. There's a, a flavor. It's a cucumber lime flavor, and, you know, I've tried to talk other people into it before, and very few people will get into uh, cu- cucumber lime, and I just feel like it just needs a, a, a stronger voice. And um, I, I, think, I think people should be open to having the cucumber inside of them. Uh, I don't know where you, I don't know exactly where you're. Well, you going. said people aren't aren't willing to. You said people aren't willing to get into the cucumber, and I think really you're looking at the wrong way. They need to be open to the cucumber getting into them. They, well, and, that's absolutely true, and and it is it is kind of an interesting flavor, but it matches so well with the whole Gatorade aesthetic because it's more like a um, 
Call it Gatorade. Ooh, ooh, it's like the essence of cucumber with the essence of lime mixed together. (laughs) And um, I I just feel like like that's something that we could get behind, and it would be almost – uh, you know, it would be far more of a branding situation where um, – I, and I think it would make them look super hip and cool marketing this um, this interesting product on this interesting medium of podcast. So I go Cucumber Lime Gatorade would definitely be another uh, big thumbs up. And if anyone in the Gatorade um, establishment is listening, now is the time to get in on the ground floor. Again, no – Right, because that's, that's what they need. That's what they need is the ground floor. Like, right. Oh, yeah. They, they were. They were. They were. They had Michael Jordan a generation ago, right? But now, what they need is you. Is Josh and Jim? That absolutely. I mean, it's it's a way so that they can stay fresh. You know what? What is more fresh than two middle-aged men um, uh, running a podcast? I, I'm running running a podcast about what they ate over the weekend or what shows they've watched during a pandemic. I I can't. You know, and really, let's face it, that's pretty exhausting. <laughs> you kind of need to quench your thirst after that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I, I suppose you could say, you know, if we, you and I, we do so much talking that, of course, we're, we get a little parched and possibly a little dehydrated. So what, what could go better than a little cucumber lime Gatorade? Exactly. Exactly. Do you, what, what else do you have? What other plans do you have? Well, I don't – to me, I, again, I didn't spend very much time thinking of specific um, products because I, it just got me thinking in general about the relationship between um, how the, the product and their endorsers. And especially for, what dare I say, creative um, you know, creative ventures. You know, because it, it, it's an interesting it – seems, it seems to be a 20th century, now 21st century phenomenon – you know, and now you even live in the age of the influencer. So you're almost suggesting on some level that we become influencers, really, because we're not we're not athletes. You know, we're not rock stars. We're not actors. So the, the, sort of the next level of being a personality that gets money to endorse something in, in this day and age is, is referred to as an influencer. So it, it matters a little less. But if you are a creative, there, you know, it, it's weird how the the evolution of that is gone. Uh, has 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 how it has evolved is what I meant to say. And, okay. And I, I, it, it's just an interesting phenomenon in general. For example, I mean, in the Renaissance, you you know, uh, an artist would take a job because, like, hey, or paint my family, and they you know some wealthy family would give them money and they paint them, and then they might just pay to keep that artist alive so that they could continue to produce their art. And some things that they would take for hire, some things that they would just do as craftsmen. So they, that wasn't really thought of as selling out, so to speak. And then at some point, I don't know, was it, it became a negative thing in the later part of the 20th century for for hip young rock and rollers to, to take money to endorse products. And just the whole thing got – I know I'm not going really, really going anywhere with it, but – and not that I'm a rock star. But you, you address it to some degree because you're thinking about specific products that maybe you want – you know, free samples of, like me with, you know, and I thought about it too, but are there other elements that we should be considering, like philosophical ones? Are, another big question I have is, is uh, you know, are there, do you think there are more products that you would, in your heart of hearts, 
say no to someone came to you and said, hey, we want to advertise your podcast. And you'd be like, nah, I don't want your money for that thing. You know, you, do you follow what I'm saying? I do follow what you're saying. Um, I would not accept any personal material from Def Leppard or uh, from Poison. Um, I'm trying to think of any sort of products. I need, you know what? Uh, or yeah, but I, guess, I mean, although the, although those are those are artists and arguably have a brand or an image, they're not really a product that needs your endorsing. Right. So no tobacco products or alcohol products. Um, yeah. So I, I like candy. You would you would you would advertise candy? I'd be willing to advertise candy. Yeah. Why? Was there anything that you came up with? I, that's, that's a hard question. I'm trying to think. I, I, I like the idea of specifics. That's why I went with the cucumber lime and not just the Gatorade. I no, I, I get, I, I get, I get, I get your thinking, but I mean, I was just, I, I, on some level, I was even thinking realistically, like if a local, like if a local, uh, you know, insurance agent was like, hey, Jim and Josh, or a local attorney was like, hey, but you know, I want to, you know, uh, like a, you know, personal liability attorney he said, I want to advertise on your, on your podcast. And and I'll give you you know uh, not a lot of money but money nonetheless. Would we do it? If you wanted to monetize this, I mean, because because ultimately you're what you're also thinking of is our brand. What is our image and our brand, and what products might be tarnished by that? Hmm. You know, and certain things would make sense, frankly. Mayo pattern baldness might be something that some of our listeners might be interested in. Then again, you know, some of our listeners might be interested in like uh, prunes. You know, we have, we have a couple of senior listeners out there. I know. Well, I would encourage them to to go the chia route before they went the prune route. No doubt. That that, okay. that falls similar a similar issue. So, uh, <laughs> but but you know, I'm I'm not above prunes. Lord knows. The um the California raisins became popular in our lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we just said dancing The California raisins, in retrospect, are somewhat problematic, no? I mean, I'm, I'm, am I wrong? Is, is there an element of minstrels show to the, what they did? There is something questionable about that that I, I haven't, haven't really crossed my mind. And um, I do I, – I think I know where you're going with that. So maybe um, – yeah, well, maybe they could be uh, green things. Okay. Or just – or maybe just you know, they could be playing like um, it's like a Lawrence Welk sort of prune thing. So instead of playing, you know, the Temptations or whatever, they're they, they're playing, you know, polka music or big, big band jazz music. Or you know, we've talked about Frank Sinatra before. We could see well, right. I could see a Frank Sinatra prune out there. Right, or Glenn, yeah, or Glenn you Miller prune, Glenn Miller prune. Right. In the mood. Yeah, prune gets you in the mood. Do, 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 in the do, mood. Do, do, do. In the mood. <laughs> all right, all right. 
All right. So, uh, but have you seen anything recently? Have, have you been watching anything? I know you've got a busy schedule. Oh, no. I, I, yeah, somewhat, somewhat bit. Yeah, you, you know what? What things that we've been watching? God. Um, we watched a true crime documentary on HBO Max called The Jinx. Uh, I know that's not always your bag, but this is a pretty good one. What ended up happening, we were just looking for things to watch, and I don't even remember uh, what uh, what streaming service it was on, but there's a movie called All Good Things. Um, and it was just, it, it was from like 2012 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it, um, it had, um, oh, what's his face? Uh, Ryan Gosling and Kristen, uh, yeah, Kristen Dunst were in it. And it told the story, a true, based on a true story of an actual New York um, real estate, the son of a New York real estate developer who may or may not have killed his wife in the early 80s. Okay. Okay. And it it was based on their relationship and then the mystery around it. And it was it was, a, it was an okay movie, right? But then it mm-hmm. got me googling because I was like, this is based on a true story. And it turns out that they had recently made a documentary on the actual guy, Robert, uh, whatever his name was. Uh, the the actual the actual guy was. Bah, 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 if, give me a second. Was I, Robert something? Doesn't matter. Look it up. The Jinx. Is is the movie that is the it is, comes in six parts, and it is fascinating. The the director of the movie All Good Things is also a documentary filmmaker, and he ended up making a documentary on the real guy, and more or less leads you to the conclusion of what the dude was guilty of, and it's fascinating how they got there. Um, so so it's not your typical neighbor next door, that, you know that you're, and it's not a typical serial killer either. And it's actually sort of a sad story, the, the, the history of who this guy was, because on some level, he was born with all the advantages. But maybe because he had so many of those, maybe that kind of wealth is less of an advantage than we really always give it credit for. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. The jinx. Okay. I, I will. The jinx. I know, I know that you have some true crimers in your household. Well, I do, I do, and so that would definitely be something that they would they would be into. I had um, I had a good experience and a bad experience. Where the good experience was, uh, we my my daughter and I saw a bad trip. Do you know what bad trip is? Yeah, yeah. It, and um, you know what? We started watching it. We started watching it. I, I I couldn't get into it. Okay, well I thought so. For those of you guys who don't know, bad trip it's it's on Netflix now, and it's Eric Andre, and it's like um, a Jackass movie or a Borat movie, but or or Borat. It's more like Borat because it is um, basically pranks that then move forward a fictional plot. And uh, but the thing about it that that I was really struck by uh, a lot of the the, the pranks uh, were fairly juvenile and crass, and I think that there was a little bit of shock value expected out of the pranks that um, I was not particularly shocked by. Um, however, what I found to be really amazing about it and touching about it was that particularly in Borat, it seems like the pranks are made to make the bystanders either look dumb or look mean-spirited or like the joke is on the bystander. And in this case, I, I saw the entire thing. And you, the, the humanity of the bystanders, the bystanders was on display at almost time or like a can of camera thing that I felt like it really showed ordinary human beings 
in such a positive light when confronted with um, these really amazing, weird things that happen. And I just thought I, it, it was really interesting, and I don't know that that was the intention of the movie makers when the movie was made. Um, but I, I, like I said, as a look into and an optimistic look at um, your fellow man, I really, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Again, like I said, not a big thumbs up as far as the, the crassness of it. I'm not offended by crassness. I'm also, though, not particularly shocked by crassness. Um, I, 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 right. I can tell you exactly the moment that I turned it off, and it was when they were in the zoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I was not, I, I, I was not shocked by it, but I was not amused by it either. Um, and, and I was not entertained by it. It was, I was like, that's, it, it, in fact, it, it was so unrealistic that I, you know, that although in that, in that particular instance, people seem genuinely concerned for his well-being, which goes to your point about like the humanity of it. Um, but I was, I was, I had a hard time believing that they believed it. That, and that. I, I would agree that that is that is a problematic scene. I, it sounds like though you got to the point where um, the Tiffany Haddish character um, escapes from the bus, and um, her interaction with that character, that individual, I thought was amazing. Um, yeah. And there are there are a couple other scenes throughout where where you it, like I said it, to me I I I am in no way going to uh, defend. The, um, the, the, the scene in the zoo, you know, it, like, I feel the same way. Not only was it crass, it was over the top in a way that was not believable, not credible, and not funny. And but the, actually, we turned it off after the zoo. We gave it one more shot, and it was when they, they, they took the random pills and went into, like, that truck stop gas station grocery store or whatever that was. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's when, it, it, in other words, after the zoo, I was like, I'm going to give them, because at a moment, like the Tiffany Haddish scene with the with the guy after after the bus, and then there was when he's sitting on the bench and talking about the girl of his dreams and how much he loved her, and that guy says, "Go get her." You know, yeah. that, those are those are the moments that you're like, "This is good," but then followed by, you know, the moment like the zoo, and I'm like, Ugh. "So it was going to have to be a great scene to follow it up with." And when they went in and they were just all tripping on whatever you know alleged drugs they had taken, I. It was it was again just it was juvenile, like college humor, and I just was like, eh, I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna spend my evening this way. Yeah, well, like like I said, I don't have a big thumbs up for it, but I know that there are a lot of people who either have watched it or will watch it, and I think that that's an interest that is would be an interesting takeaway from it um, if you find yourself watching it. I'm by no means again advocating for it. I'm not suggesting it's high humor in any way, shape, or form. But the real dialogue was, um, so uh, there's been a good deal of excitement about Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus Kong in our household. And um, so we decided that we'd have a movie weekend or movie day last weekend. And I, I don't know how I missed it in my um, uh, cinematic exploits, but I somehow missed the Godzilla, the 2014 Godzilla. And um, I, so you're, are you telling me that you need to see that Godzilla before you can see this Kong versus Godzilla? That is not the way that I would phrase it. I would, <laughs> the way that I would phrase it is that um, 
because I have now seen that Godzilla, I do not need to see Kong versus Godzilla. I made the executive decision that, that no one needs to save that movie for me, and I don't need to see it. Um, the movie was, this is the 2014 Godzilla, was so dumb and confusing that I became angry, not just angry at the movie, but angry at myself. As I sat there thinking to myself, what did I think it was going to be? How did I possibly there? think it was going to be any good? Like, like really and truly angry pondering well, what, what, what chain of events led me to thinking that this would possibly be worth my time. Well, I think it's, it's all a setup for the courtroom drama of Kong versus Godzilla, <laughs> really. Because my understanding is it's kind of like um, Inherit the Wind, where they, establish, where they take <laughs> evolution to court. Do you remember the old Phil Hartman bit on Saturday Night Live where he was the caveman lawyer? I do, I do, yeah. (laughs) With my primitive mind, I can never understand all of these legal words. Oh, God, that was such a good bit. But, um, go ahead. No, no, I I can't really top it after that. I mean, I I was was just, I, I can only imagine the closing the closing statement of Godzilla. <laughs> the monosyllabic closing statement. But, um, so, I can look at it as either I wasted my time watching Godzilla, or I saved my time not watching Godzilla versus Kong. And um, I understand that, um, but I did, I remember a few years ago, I did see that Kong Skull Island, and I thought it was pretty good. But I don't know, I, I'm willing to forego um, either revisiting it or visiting Kong versus Godzilla. So there'll be no Kong versus Godzilla for me. Perhaps there'll be some jinx in me as we um, round out season two of The Crown this weekend, hopefully. So, oh, right. And one more show that I should, you should put on your list is Behind Her Eyes on Netflix. We're two episodes okay. in. It's fascinating. And my understanding is there's a big reveal at the end of it, so I'm looking forward to it. Okay, well, I, I will consider it. Odds are good that I will have only merely finished the crown um, next week, but um, I'm sure I'm sure that we'll have many other things to talk about as you, as you consider um, other products that we'd be willing to endorse, and possibly you know if there's anyone out there listening who has a product that you would like us to endorse and that we have not yet mentioned, uh, Tempest Fugit. Time is passing. You want to be the first, baby. Anyway. Right. So, like, I, I mean, in realistic terms, like I said before, if there's if there's a personal injury attorney or a, or a hairdresser <laughs> that wants to give us like two or three, maybe even four dollars to mention your name on on air. No, um, that yeah. You uh, know, we're, we're open. It, 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 I feel like I at least I would like a Starbucks coffee out of it, and I feel like we it should be fifty fifty. So I think that. Probably about eight dollars. I, I think the price, the price of all. Well, I go for a double, so I let's round it out in an even ten. Even ten, okay. Well, do, but do we want to tip also? Tip the, the eleven, the twelve dollars, twelve dollars. We need twelve dollars. So twelve dollars to be immortalized forever. Right. That's, that's, I think that's, 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 that's a bargain. Okay. That being said, dude, you have a wonderful all week. Right. All, all right. Likewise. Yeah. Take care.